Love that you're here today. Uh, my name is Josh, and uh, lead pastor here. Love to love to jump into this morning. As I was telling people, this is the time where I get up here and I look at the clock and I see what's going to happen. I already have something crossed out, so you're in luck. Um, looking forward to what we're, what we're up to here. So we've been working through a series uh, through our big five prayer requests. Uh, we've been looking at the importance both from, from the scriptural standpoint as well as just specifically what God's called us to at the church at Pine Ridge as the importance as to what these prayer points are about. First love, revival. We've been praying for 777 Cedar for provision, wisdom, and fruitfulness. That's our, that's our get out of this building and get our eyes on the lost and the community around us and share the love of Jesus because he is the hope of salvation and life. And then we've been praying as well for more people, many more people worshiping in Springfield. We talk often about the fact that our RM... Lots of you guys aren't even from this RM, but this church is. So welcome here. We love having you here. But um, 17,000 people live in this RM. And last year, uh, it was about 400 people worshipped weekly in the RM. Uh, after our last ministerial meeting, it's about 500 people now that are worshipping weekly in Springfield. So we're going to keep praying for that. Amen. All right, so that's pretty cool. I actually, I asked, because I told them, okay, this is our prayer point for the year. I just got to ask, like, I'm curious what's happening. So we tallied it up, 500 people in, in the Protestant evangelical realm uh, that are gathering for worship in Springfield. So that's 100 more people um, already in, in the last year. Uh, I'm specifically praying for 100 more people here by the end of next year. And I know that sounds scary, but I just feel like that's what the Lord's laid on my heart. Uh, and I really... I really just love a small community of people getting after Jesus, but Jesus loves this community so much. So we're praying for that. We're also praying, as we talked about last week, as we just prayed for this morning, that leaders would be called and trained for the ministry at Pine Ridge. And we also looked at last week the reality that leaders are for equipping you guys to, to do ministry, for equipping everyone, because all are uh, doing ministry as the Lord calls each one of us to our specific things. And it doesn't necessarily look like my version of it or the person beside you, but the Lord has a call for you. And us as leaders, we want to just help you step into the fullness of what that is. Um, so we come to today. And as I was coming out of my office with my sermon notes today, I think Nick said something along the lines of like, oh, something about like, oh, just like prepping this morning or something like that. And, and uh, I had to say like, you know, I've been prepping for this message for the last 10 years, and I've already given you this message probably 10 times, um, but it's that this church, uh, my heart, my prayer, our prayer should be that Pine Ridge would become a house of prayer. Not just a church with prayer, but a church of prayer. A church where the very core response in everything we do and every need that arises in every mundane moment that we could actually spend abiding and relating with God is spent in prayer. Pray at all times, right? Unceasing prayer. That's my heart for us as a church together, which is why we're doing tonight, which is why we do the prayer and worship night every month we get together, and which is why, honestly, at the small group level, there's been a whole bunch of small groups 
It's been eight small groups getting together. Uh, we really stress not just talking about prayer, but praying together and in all things praying. So we're going to get into this message today. And if you're already like, yeah, I've heard this a whole bunch of times, I think Pastor Nick had a word from the Lord for us this morning. I'm going to say that, and, and like, it's a, I know it's a bold thing to say, depending on what circles you're in. I, I believe the Holy Spirit gave him that, because I felt the exact same thing this morning, that there's a guilt. Now, you know, I love that, that you address that. You know the one thing that the enemy is going to try to stop you from doing, one of the most obvious things he's going to get you to stop doing, well, there's two things. I'd say prayer and spending time in his word. Honestly, if he can get believers to stay out of his scripture, and if he can get believers to not pray and not listen to the Lord, we are stunted dramatically. And God's glory, which is what he's after, which is what we're after in prayer and in his word, is not going to be the same in the world that it, that it should be. Um, we pray, we ask Jesus for things that he would answer so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's what the word says. So today, it's not a matter of your comfort level. It's not a matter of your guilt. It's a matter of God invites you to this. And know that there's an enemy that wants to keep you from it. And you can say no because of the power of Christ in you. Let me pray for us to that end. And then we're going to jump into some scripture today. Hmm. Father, you are good. You are holy. And as we sang, Jesus, we are here for you. Lord, I pray that in spirit and in truth, we would be true worshipers here in this place today. And we worship you with our attention and our affection. Lord, I ask for, well, I ask for the increase of faith by the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would increase our faith. But Lord, I'm also mindful that sometimes you say, you just need to step out and do. And so Lord, for each one here, no matter where we're at, I pray that you break the shackles of guilt and shame in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I pray that this would be broken and that there would be life found in coming and abiding in you, learning that you are a provider through prayer, learning that we get to know the depths of who you are in prayer, that your holy presence is, we are more aware of you when we are in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would teach us, that you would grow us. We're never done growing, and I thank you for your great grace that just says, come. So, Lord, I pray that today we would come before the throne of grace. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you today, which you should because you're in church, um, next time bring your Bibles. Uh, Open up to Matthew chapter 21. Also, by the way, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles at the back that you can grab. The printing is super tiny. I ordered them online, and I didn't see them in person. So if you have great eyesight, there's some back there. Um, otherwise, Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to start today. Do you remember a time in your life where something was wrong, 
Like legitimately something bad was happening and something was wrong and you got really angry. I want you to think of that time right now. Like actually do a little mental exercise. Do you remember a time in your life where something happened that made you so angry because it just wasn't right? Do you have that in your heads? Okay. We're going to look at a passage in scripture here where Jesus gets really angry we don't think of Jesus in this way very often. In fact, we're looking at the Matthew, um, Matthew's version of it. In the book of John, it says he made a whip and drove people out. Gee, that's not like soft. That's hard. That's harsh. Jesus was angry and he was mad about something because something seriously was off. And Jesus in his righteousness and his holiness and his love still got angry at this thing. And this is the time that we see Jesus, God, get upset about something. And we're going to read this, we're going to read this passage together. Um, I'm going to just explain the first little bit and we're going to jump in at verse 6. But Jesus is coming into the last, his last week before going to the cross. He comes in, it's the triumphal entry, it's Palm Sunday is what we, when we celebrate this, right? The people are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? And they're laying palm branches down. He comes riding into town on a donkey and people are basically ready to make him their king at this point. That's, that's what's happening. They're ready to make Jesus the king of the Jews. And so... He sent them to get a donkey. Let's start at verse 6. The disciples went and, and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Like it was a massive commotion. The whole city, which was full of people, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And immediately this is what happens. Jesus enters town. Here's what he does. Jesus entered the temple. And drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And that goes on to read that they want him dead. So Jesus comes in, riding on a donkey. The people are ready to make him king. And then his immediate first response is to go to the central hub of their culture, their place of worship, where the temple, where all of their interactions with God, Yahweh, God, happened in the temple. This is a holy and sacred set-apart place. Jesus goes to this place and gets mad. I just am mad. I'm not going to do it, Chris. Don't worry. But like flipping tables, um, flipping tables, driving people out. And what 
is it that he raises a stink about? What does he say? He says in verse 13, it is written, my house, so okay, Jesus just said that temple is his house. My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. He's quoting scripture there. But he is clearly making a point. My house shall be called the house of what? Of what? So my house is a house of preaching. My house is a house of potluck. (laughs) My house is what? A house of? Prayer. Prayer. Okay, somehow, somewhere, God's plan for his people when they get together is that prayer is at the center of it. That's really important for us to understand. Jesus had a lot of reasons, in my opinion, throughout his ministry to flip tables and get the whip out. But he did so only in the temple because it should be a house of prayer. It's a really big deal to Jesus. And so as we see God's heart, that his house, the temple, now he's speaking specifically to the temple in this moment, that his temple would be a house of prayer. Now, we live in the new covenant where we don't have the temple, right? We don't go to synagogue every day. We don't have the temple in in Jerusalem that we go and visit, although one day it will be rebuilt. That's a message for another time. We we, kind of lose the, the importance of this. What he does is he goes in there and he sees people doing what, if we stop was nece- and think about it, was necessary to do. So see, during this time, people would travel very long distances and they would come to Jerusalem and they would come to the temple to make their offerings that was in the law of Moses. They were coming there to do the right thing. And in order to do that, they would travel such long distances, they couldn't bring all of their animals and all of the things that they needed to make these sacrifices. So it was okay. It was permitted in the law that they would bring, they would sell things at home. They would bring money. They would come to the temple. They would exchange that money and buy the animal so they could make their sacrifice to the Lord. And so what Jesus sees when he enters is these money changers and these people that are selling the, the animals for sacrifice are gouging people and taking gross advantage of them. You've made it a den of robbers. What should be a place of encounter and meeting with God and getting right with him and at being a house of prayer, you have turned into some commercialized way to make a buck. And he's not okay with that. He's very upset at that. And not only that, but the, the thing that they point out here is he, he overturns the table of the money changers. So what, what happened was people would bring their currency from whatever land they were from, maybe Macedonia, it depends where you're coming from. But there was only one currency that was allowed in the temple, and it was the temple currency. So you would have to exchange your money into the temple currency to make an offering to the temple that would be accepted. Problem is, these money changers are absolutely crooks and putting a, charging them. The exchange rate was terrible. It was, it was very bad exchange rate, and they were pocketing and profiting off of this. That was not okay. 
Jesus' heart was that this should be a house of what? Prayer. So you could say, well, they're just trying to do what they're supposed to do. They're coming to make sacrifices. They're coming to do their worship. And this is just the system that needs to be set up. But his heart was that it would first be a house of prayer. You'll notice as well that the animal that it points out here, he, he overturned the seats of those who sold pigeons. I like to imagine sometimes that the people were still in the seats. And he like, get out of here. Jesus was a carpenter, so he's probably strong. Um, that, I shouldn't have done that. Now you know I'm not. Um, as if there was a question. No, he, he overturned the seats of those who sold pigeons. The pigeons were the sacrifice that the poor had to make because they didn't have the money for the goat, right? They didn't have the money for the, for the more expensive items to give to the offering. The pigeons were, were very much the poor person's offering. And so these people were gouging the poor, which is another huge issue, obviously, with Jesus. If you read the entirety of the scripture, uh, God, one of God's biggest indictments on, on the nation of Israel was that they neglected to care for the poor and that they were, they were taking advantage of people. And so Jesus is very upset at all that's happening, but the key point that he points out is that my house should be a house of prayer. And so if God's house in Jerusalem was meant to be a house of prayer, and then we fast forward and we see not too long after this what we're celebrating today, as Chris already mentioned. Last week we mentioned that it was Ascension the, the previous Thursday, where Christ, it's the day where we mark after Easter, Christ ascending, seated at the right hand of the Father. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day we mark and we, we celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost upon those who were gathered in the upper room, and he, it was, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they were told to wait. They were told to wait until that happened, and then the Holy Spirit would give them the power to go and be uh, his witness to the ends of the earth. Now, they were waiting in the, in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came. And do you know what setting the Holy Spirit came into? What were they doing? It was a prayer meeting. They didn't hire the, the, the local sports star to come and share his testimony. They didn't, uh, they didn't go and get the hottest preacher of the day. They were just gathered in a room praying together. And the Holy Spirit came in power and is still coming and changed the world as we know it. I heard a stat this week. We don't know it in North America, and it grieves me, but I heard a stat this week that around the world, there's um, ugh, numbers, come on. Anybody know how many countries there are in the world? What? 192. Okay, so there's 30 countries that are not growing in, like that, that, there's 30 countries where Christianity is not growing currently. There, do the quick math, help me out, 162. There's 162 countries where Christianity is growing faster than the birth rate in those countries. Isn't that good? Because God's kingdom will advance. And it will continue to spread and grow until Christ returns. 
there's going to be hard times for sure. Now, in these places, what is one common factor where this is growing? It's, it's persecution is one. Thank you. Yes, persecution is a big one. So hardship and struggle and trial and suffering is a big one. And then just an absolute commitment to prayer. That's where, these, that's where this is growing. Persecution and in prayer. And it reads like the Bible. Now, I would say we're awfully, awfully comfortable here. Um, we know hard times and we know suffering and we know struggling. And I don't want to minimize that for anybody. But we haven't known persecution. It's coming, but we haven't known it. And so my job then is, just like we talked about last week, that, we, that the leaders would equip us, that we would grow up, because we need to be able to stand firm. And I, would, I don't think we can do that without prayer. So that's one reason we need to pray. Another reason we need to pray, we talk about it all the time, so I'm not going to spend a long time on it this morning, is our relationship with God is really, really the depth of it depends on praying. You can't know someone and fellowship with someone if you don't talk with them and hear from them. And God has designed it this way. But today I want to talk about something that I don't talk about as often because I really want us this first love revival. I want to come to God for God. But there is a reality in the scripture that he paints for us that we come to him for provision. We come to him for specific needs. And so I've done this before and I'm going to do it again, but we're going to look at a whole bunch of scripture today. And I want you, after we read this scripture, to try to tell me that prayer isn't important and it doesn't work. It's a setup. <laughs> First Timothy. Do I have this, um, on this on the slides? Yeah, I do. Okay, so Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Timothy, uh, this young, young leader, uh, just been appointed as he's now the leader in the church in Ephesus, which we've heard a whole lot about through this series. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and he writes this. First of all, then, and we pause and we're like, okay, let me get this straight. When? How much of an importance is this? First of all, okay, what's first of all? I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings, which is prayer, all of it, be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. First of all, folks, he's like, he's writing Timothy for how, like, the, he's helping this leader who's leading this church. First of all, really important, pray for everything together. You need supplication. You need provision. You need to pray and abide. You need intercession, praying for other people, and thanksgiving. I love that we do that often here during our prayer times. Um, we make sure we take time to think of reasons to be thankful for. I'm afraid in the church in the West that we don't need God enough. It's actually a lie. That's the enemy's lie is that we don't need God enough. We think we don't need God enough. 
and that we just don't think it works. Because like people are really into whatever works, right? Like I remember, so I haven't been a pastor too long. I used to be in the trades. And I remember having just like, you know, the coffee break um, conversations with people. And people will get into stuff. And, and one person was like, oh, I'm starting to get into yoga and some Eastern mysticism stuff. And, and you know what? It, like for me, it just really works. And like, yeah, your body is going to feel better and the devil masquerades as an angel of light. And like there's certain temporary things that might work for a little bit. But in the end, it's going to leave you wanting. What we're, all I'm trying to make out of this point is that we often look for things that work. And if we think they don't work, we're not going to spend our time on it. It's kind of just the way our, our modern minds think right now. We look for things that work. And so I'm convinced that the church just doesn't think prayer works. Let's look at these passages, and it's not just the scripture then, it's actually people's experience who take God at his word. As we read these passages, your mind is going to say, yeah, but. These words don't say, yeah, but, at all. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, the importance of corporate prayer here, people. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Period. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. There's qualifiers here too. Pay attention to those. If you then who are evil, <laughs> uh, just that's the second time we've heard it. Doesn't that make you feel good? <laughs> if you then who are evil, making a point, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think as we pray for first love revival, and we really long for the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts, how many of us are coming like children and just, we come with thanksgiving and we come in humble simplicity. We have to. We can't come having everything figured out. We have to come like kids who say, God, you know what's best. I want to pray according to your will. I want to pray full of the Holy Spirit so that it might be done. And so we just come and we say, God, I need you desperately. God, can I, can I have an extra measure of your Holy Spirit today? Can I have an extra measure of your Holy Spirit Today's Pentecost Sunday. God is happy to give his Holy Spirit. It's not like he's stingy. It's not like we come and scrape and beg and he's like, yeah, but first you have to mow the lawn. 
with scissors. He's just ready. He's a good father. We've got to get a vision that he's a good father. I think lots of times there's that fear and that guilt, and so we don't enter into it, so we never experience him as actually answering these things. And then it, we just say, ah, oh, he probably doesn't do that. And then I'm not really hearing too many stories. It's because I guess the people around you aren't praying. <laughs> Got to get, if, if that's you this morning, get around people who pray and learn and just be humble. God answers prayer, not according to how we want. We know that. I don't feel like I need to do that caveat too long here. Like, God answers according to his will, but there are certain prayers he will not answer because we don't ask. He has designed it that we would ask. There are certain things he would love to do and love to give, but we don't ask, so we don't get it. It's crazy. It's, this, it's that way in my house. My kids would ask for certain things, they'd probably get it, especially if you ask nicely. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, as if somebody thinks that, I love this story. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. It's supposed to be a funny story. It's supposed to be like, of course, God's not that way. But even that says, the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect to who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. God's version of justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he, will he find faith? Will he find faith on the earth? See, it takes faith to enter into prayer. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, this is Jesus, speaking to his disciples, will also do the works that I do. This Pentecost Sunday is appropriate will also do the works that I do. What did Jesus do? We read it today. He healed people and cast out demons, okay? Through prayer. Greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's the crux of it all, guys, that the Father would be glorified in the Son. But it doesn't change. So oftentimes, I know there's certain strains and things you can focus on. It's like, well, only if it's the Father's will and only if the Father's being glorified. Like, well, just have that heart and ask like a kid. <laughs> Don't worry about all of the background implications. Come like a kid and ask him because he said, whatever you ask in my name, that is according to the ways of Jesus, according to his will which we need to get to know in his word and guess what, in prayer. He said, you pray like that, he's going to do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Because when you have answered prayer and then you, people know it and people share about it, prayer that is answered that you couldn't have pulled off, nobody's looking at you being like, oh, wow, that guy's impressive. That lady's impressive. She just healed that guy. No! 
The Father did. And he's going to receive the glory. We do, we do not need to be afraid of receiving glory in prayer. And if you are trying to take glory, I trust the Lord will discipline you in that. Don't do that. He says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, this is tied to obedience here. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And so this is a piece of last week, grew up, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This is speaking of when Jesus returns, we're not going to need to ask anything because we're going to of him because it's going to be done. We're going to have everything we need. But he's going to be gone for a time. That's right now. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Speaking to his disciples, right? Ask and you will receive. Why? That your joy may be full. Can we allow ourselves to be really excited about answered prayers? Yeah, we can be really excited about answers, answered prayers. In fact, it honors God that we get really excited about answered prayer. Don't fall into the trap of the um, pious, uh, somber life. <laughs> be a kid, come ask the Father, he gives, and then you get to have a party. God's okay with partying. So here's my question. Why in light, I just, all I did was read you scripture. All I did, actually, those were only words of Jesus. Why is there a lack of prayer in our churches? Is there a lack of need? Is there a lack of need, if we're honest? Is there prodigal children who need to come back to the Lord? Are there people that are really deeply struggling financially that need the Lord's help? Are there marriages that are suffering that need a miracle of God to be restored? Are there any relationships that need to be mended? Yes. Okay, how about, are there any lost people that are headed for eternity in hell that need salvation? Are there people who are struggling with sickness and disease? Okay, so it's not a problem of a need. We've established that. And it's not a problem of the Father not being willing to answer. We've established that. So where are we then? We doubt. We wonder. We wonder if this actually works. There's, that's, one, that's one deep side to it. Another thing I think is we're so over-distracted and just giddy about mindless 
mind-numbing busyness of North American life that we don't actually realize the pure joy of being with the Father. Is there a harvest of souls that is ready, but not enough laborers? Yeah. I'm not convinced that the church as a whole believes prayer works. And I've shared countless testimonies with you. And I assure, I assure you it, it, it does. <laughs> God said it does. We need to come and take him at his word. It's those few things. It's fellowship with God. It's direction for living. And it's miraculous provision. Fellowship with God in that place we experience God's presence, God's peace accompanied in those times accompanied with his word, of course. We receive direction for living as the Lord speaks directly into circumstances. I want to share just a silly little example. This Two weeks ago, I was in, in here uh, in the nursery actually praying for the church, just praying for you guys. And, um, and in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit interrupted my prayer for the church and I was going to be building a deck over the long weekend, and um, I was planning to use uh, some four-foot screw piles uh, in order to do the deck, and um, I thought that would be the best thing to use, because anyways, I don't need to get into it, but I thought that would be the best thing to use. And that was my plan. Anola Hardware knew that's what I, I they had my order. Um, Holy Spirit interrupts my thoughts in the middle of my prayer time for you guys and says, use the deck blocks, don't use the screw piles. And I'm like, first, my first thought literally was like, as if you care. <laughs> That's my first thought. And I was like, ah, okay, uh, yes, pause, time out. Yes, I know you do care, but it's kind of silly. Like, you don't need to go ask God, should I use deck blocks or should I use screw piles? Should I use cinnamon or should I use, I don't know, I'm not a baker. Whatever you use instead of cinnamon. Um, you don't need to ask those things, but God, as you come in a heart and a posture of prayer, spending time with him, he leads you and he guides you in those simple ways. So I went to the hardware store and said, okay, I know I said I want the screw piles, but I'm going to do deck blocks. And I felt silly even saying it because I'm still convinced in my mind that these screw piles are going to be way better. Um, okay. And then the guy, the guy says, oh yeah, you want that because you know the RM won't actually approve those for your deck anyways. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. But I do know who did know that. So bonus, like li those little things that in a heart of prayer, in a life of prayer, like this isn't just like, okay, God, I want the download right now. Tell me what I need to do. No, it's a life of just walking with him as, as our Lord, our God, our friend. And miraculous provision, God intervenes when we intercede. I wish I had done better in my younger days of keeping lists of answered prayer, but I know the number is in the dozens of people that I've seen healed. I know that I have seen miraculous provision uh, at times, money and resources showing up unexplained, can't just, it's, it's unreal. But that only happens through prayer. Oftentimes I would wait too long to pray and get a little stressed out and then pray, and then he comes through. <laughs> I've learned to not wait so long. But God comes through. 
And it's not to say that we don't suffer and we don't miss out on what we think we need or want either. But the reality is, I think we take God up far too few times than what he's willing. I've also seen a lot of not healings. I've also seen people struggle in their finances and those things too. But the reality is we come and we pray not based on past experience, not based on anything but who God is. Because he said that he would answer. And he said that he would. When we come with that humility without doubting, he comes through. He comes through. There's times and people look at our lives and and they just say, man, how can you do that? Like I've shared here before, the last two years before come on staff here, my gross annual income was 4,000 something in 2017 and then 2016 was $9,000. Leah was a stay-at-home mom and we had four and then five kids. By all accounts and purposes, that doesn't work. Um, But by God's miraculous provision through prayer for us, we never missed missed payments and it was, God takes care of us. It doesn't mean we were rich and live in the life of abundance. But, well, that's not true. We did live life of abundance. <laughs> but we just came simply. I don't want us, anyone in here, but even us collectively, to be finding those words that we see in James, you do not have because you do not ask. It's really that simple. We get to come like children to a father. We come and cry out together knowing he hears and cares deeply. So tonight... I invite you to prayer. But today, I've listed, is, we've all basically agreed in this room that it's not for lack of need that we don't pray, right? Because there are needs. And there are some, some of those things I listed here today are things you're going through and you need. We heard that parable of the persistent woman and... We need to be like her sometimes, or we just need to continue to cry out. And then there's moments where we just need to, from the depths of our heart, cry out to the Lord. Sometimes all you got is help. And he hears, and he knows, and he cares. So for whatever it is in your life right now, maybe it is that prodigal, maybe it is that marriage, maybe... It is a relationship in your life. Maybe it is a health issue. I'm going to invite us to stand. And I'm going to invite us to be bold. And we're going to turn music up loud again. We're going to turn up some prayer music. And I want you to pray it out to the Father, knowing that he is a good father. And when his kids come and ask for gifts, he loves to. He loves to. So let's stand together. Again, I'm not going to, I've said this here before, we're not forcing anybody to do anything here. This needs to be from the sincerity of your heart. This has to be from the sincerity of your heart. But if there's something in your heart, why don't you cry it out to God in this space right now? We all have something. So let me pray and then we're just going to, we're just going to pray it out loud together. If we can get music nice and loud. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you hear and that you care. Lord, we think of Jesus' passion that his house be called a house of prayer. 
Well, your house was the place where you dwelt. And now your very spirit lives in each one of us. And together, as we are drawn together, God, you are making us into, into a house, a holy temple, each one of us a block. So Lord, here in this house, may we be a house of prayer. And so Lord, over each concern and care and need, Lord, just simple provision, God, may we cry out, may you give us, Holy Spirit, that gift of faith even in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you direct us to the prayer that you would have us pray this morning? Let's pray it out loud together, church. Thank you, Jesus. Hear our prayer. Thank you, Jesus.